This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Go quickly, Jesus says to his disciples. Go quickly and tell his disciples, sorry, this is the angel. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he, Jesus, is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Well, before we talk about that, <clears throat> excuse me, that may happen a few times this morning. <clears throat> before we talk about that, I want to talk about something else. Struggle. Struggle. History attests to struggle being a part of every great nation's rise to greatness. And yet, if society at large strives for anything these days, it seems that it, it strives for comfort and leisure. Are you struggling? Are you struggling today? Have you been struggling this past week? Maybe you're struggling to do something. Or maybe you're struggling to, to try to stop doing something. Or maybe you're struggling to try to keep doing something. Or all of the above. But we struggle. Well, you're in good company. You're in good company here. Tell someone. We're all in this together. We're here for one another. To bear one another's burdens. Each other's struggles. Because sometimes obeying God, doing the right thing, is a real Struggle. We'll be in Genesis chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he answered, Here I am. Then God said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. God had previously uh, had Abraham send his oldest son away, Ishmael. Send it, sent him away, leaving him with, with just the one. And now he's asking for that one too. 
Have you ever felt like that? Can you identify with that a little bit? Where maybe you had a dream or your life you felt was working up to something big. Abraham did. This son of promise he'd been waiting for for years. You know, despite it being impossible. He's here. Here's Isaac. God says now it's time to sacrifice him. Let go of him. Has that been in your life? Maybe it's been a career. You've landed the job. The dream job. And God says you've got to sacrifice it. Takes it away. Or that one relationship. Or that house in that neighborhood. Have you ever felt like your prospects, opportunities, just your options in this life dwindle down to one and then that one evaporates away? Can you follow in the steps of the poor widow and her two mites? She had next to nothing. Lost nearly everything. But instead of clinging with a death grip to what little she had left, she opens her hand and she lets the rest of it go. Empties it completely to the Lord. To the Lord. And Jesus says of her, she's given more than all of those other uh, con contributors. She gave the most. Or do you find yourselves more like the rich young ruler, right? Who's spent a life checking off all the right boxes. And Jesus calls him to sell everything and give it to the poor and to come and follow him. Poor, but nothing. To go all in, all those boxes checked were good. But can you go all in with Jesus? And he couldn't. He couldn't go all in. You know, I, it's easy for us to get into a routine. To develop a system, uh, you know, to optimize our schedule. So we get to, we got things in order. Okay, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to, you know, be with my family. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to uh, volunteer. You know, I'm, I'm checking all these boxes. Everything's lined up on my schedule. And that's good. There's, I mean, everything is right about taking the... Taking your life and optimizing it, scheduling it, dealing wisely with your time, that's all good. 
But, uh, but what do you do when something comes along to throw a wrench in all of that? To really turn your, all, that, that, all that upside down. What do you do then? Do you want to say, no, I, I'm not going to do that. You know, hey, I'll look at, I've got, I'm checking all of these boxes here. That's enough. It's easy to fall into thinking that checking those boxes is what it's all about. Abraham very much had his life interrupted, didn't he? He's got the son of promise. He's well on his way. Life hasn't all been easy. And now, just when he thinks it's time to settle down, to focus on Isaac, God tells him to let him go. Well, God, wouldn't it be fine if, if, if instead I, I made a, what, what if I made a large contribution to your cause? Well, wouldn't that be better? I mean, think of all the good that that, that would do. Or, or what if, what if I, I volunteered for something? You know, you know, I could, I, we, we, so many people could be helped by volunteering, isn't, isn't that what all, all of this is about, right? I could cast out some demons in your name. Just, just bring them to me and I'll, I'll say the words. Jesus explained that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 7. But he who does, who does the will of my Father in heaven. Who does the will. He says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and, and done Many wonders in your name. It's interesting that, that they refer to their works, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Look at, look at, but, but Lord, look, look at what I did. I, you know, I can come up with all kinds of things. I feel like me in a performance review, I'm supposed to like remind my manager of all the things I've done over the past year so that he can be like, oh yeah, that's, that's good. Look at all my works. Look at all the things I've offered. I'm right there with Cain. Look at this produce section. All for you, God. Or Nadab and Abihu, we got the fire started for you, God. Look at what we've done. And Jesus says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. 
I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Struggle. Can you, in obedience to the Lord, not of your own ideas, not of your own list of things, can you, in obedience to the Lord, press your way, press your way through your uncertainties and difficulties? Can you, by sheer force of will, with hand shaking from internal conflict, let go and let God and follow Christ. Can you take up the cross, your cross, not mine, not somebody else's, and follow him? Abraham did. So Abraham rose early in the morning. And saddled his donkey. Now, I've heard different messages about how, how a good worker and eager for the Lord that Abraham was. That, you know, we see that in him. Getting up early to do the work. Because, you know, we're, yeah, this is kind of rural Arkansas. And, you know, my grandparents, they got up early. This is, this is where the, <laughs> this part of the country is where the phrase getting up with the chickens comes from, right? It's because we got up <laughs> with the chickens. Or before, the, earlier than the chickens, you know. He got up early in the morning. But I wonder, I wonder if part of that was really because Abraham couldn't sleep all night long, tossing and turning, writhing internally, wondering perhaps if he could really go through with it, but knowing that he must. Well, he saddles his donkey in the morning, takes two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son. You know, we don't want to turn loose of, of Abraham's humanity here. He's not a robot, right? He's not an android. He's his father. And this, the text keeps reminding us of that, right? God doesn't just say, hey, take, a, take, take your son or, or take Isaac. He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. God knows what he's asking Abraham to do, and he emphasizes it, right? I know. And it's not just Isaac here in Genesis 22, uh, 3. It's Isaac, his son. Well, what other Isaac would we be talking about? But it's his son. There's only one left. And he split the wood for the burnt offering. You know, sometimes, sometimes when you're struggling with something, just doing physical labor helps, you know. It helps stave it off and we can focus on something else for a time being and we're splitting, splitting the wood, splitting the wood. But in this case, I wonder, 
With every wood split, he knows that this what what is for. And he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And then on the third day, on the third day, he's going, traveling for three days now, dealing with this. And on that third day, he lifts his eyes and he sees the place afar off. And what did he think? When he sees it. And he sees the place where he's going. I, years ago, years and years ago, I got to go, not really sure why anymore, but I, I got to ride with my aunt and uncle and my cousin as we took their son, my cousin, to Oklahoma City to enlist in the Navy. Well, he'd already signed up. He was, we're dropping him off, right? We're taking him. Oklahoma City, to drop him off, and then and he's in the Navy for five years. And he'll be in different places, you know, on a boat, in the middle of the ocean, uh, stationed in different bases. And my aunt was a, was a strong woman. All of her... All of her sisters were, all right, my mom and strong women. They are so sweet and kind, but they, but they are strong. And my aunt, she was even more of a fighter than the rest. And she held it together. For all those hours, three hours or so, in the vehicle to Oklahoma City. And we're getting unpacked. Boom. We're getting stuff out. We're standing around. And we've been talking. <clears throat> and then, well, here's the luggage. The last thing has been unloaded. The back has been shut. And there's nothing left to do except for him to go and us to leave. And it's like, a, it's like everything just chilled just in that moment. Like this is it. This is the point where we turn loose. And my aunt, who had just strength the whole time, it just burst forth. And she just wept openly. Because she had been struggling. It's a struggle. Well, Abraham's been carrying this for three days and now he looks up and sees the place. And he keeps going. He endures this psychological pressure. But how? How has he made it this far? You know, it was hard enough for my aunt, my uncle, to do what they did, just to turn their boy loose for, for five years in the Navy. But, but think about what Abraham's doing. 
I mean, didn't God promise that through Isaac would be a great nation? Didn't, didn't God promise that Abraham through Isaac would be a great nation? And now, and now you're saying that he's asking you to sacrifice him, a burnt offering? Maybe God's testing you to see if, if you'll just be reasonable, Abraham. If you'll be reasonable. I mean, God gave you a brain to use it. So Abraham, let's, let's just think about this. Okay, right? Let's just think about this. I mean, does this, does this even make sense? What God's asking you to do? Does this make sense, really? Eve. Let's, let's talk about what God said regarding this fruit here. Okay, <laughs> he said you'll, you'll die? All right, okay. All right, for starters, can we agree at least, that that's really extreme, right? I mean, dying, you, you know, over the, because of the fruit here. I mean, is somebody starving now because you ate their food? I, there, there's nobody else here, Eve. I, I'm confused. Who's the victim here? Let's, let's think about this. So yeah, you won't, you won't really die. God just knows that you'll be like, like him with expanded horizons, knowing more, knowing good and evil. Eve, I think the real victim has been you all along. The rebellious rationalize. The rebellious rationalize. God's people obey. Okay, they struggle, they hurt, they fall, they repent, they cry, but they obey. Hebrews 11 reveals, I think, more to us. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise Isaac up even from the dead. Abraham hoped in God's promises. He trusted in God's word. He looked past the task at hand to that promise. That's how he makes it. That's how he endures the struggle. Maybe he remembers from his past experiences, you know, lying to the Egyptians about, about his sister, Sarah, right? Um, lying to Abimelech about the same thing. The whole, the whole Hagar thing, right? It's not like Abraham doesn't have some, some past experiences to look back on and say, you know, I wish I, I wish I would have trusted God more in those situations.
Can you look back on your own life at some experiences and think that? All right, I can. Or maybe you can look back at, your, uh, at other times and say, you know, I'm really glad I did trust God in that. That in a time of trouble and struggle, you looked past the struggle. You looked past it to an end, to a, to a time of relief that maybe you, you couldn't see because of the struggle, but you knew was there because of what God said. Because of what God said. You're not going to understand everything. You're not going to always know the whys or the hows. God says, you don't need to. I know it's human nature to want to know, well, well how is this going to work? I mean, that's my job, right? I'm all about the how, right? Well, you know, this is what we want. Okay, I'll figure out how to do that, right? For those of you who don't know, I'm a computer programmer, so I, I do how all day long. And when I'm not doing the how, I'm doing the why. Why did it do that? I don't know. I'll figure that out. But with God, you don't need to know all the hows and the whys. Not all of them. You got me. And that's enough. Is it enough for you? Now I know that you fear God. We know the Abraham's Isaac account. We know how it, how it goes. Now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The knife raises. God calls out, Abraham, Abraham. Don't lay your hand on it. For now I know that you fear God. Now, doesn't God know everything? Yes. Didn't God know how this was going to turn out? Yes. What does he mean? Now I know. Well, there's a, there's a difference in between Western knowing and this ancient Near East knowing. We go to school. We learn that, you know, two plus two equals four. We learn math. We can learn and know that a mortgage at a fixed interest rate over so many years will get paid off. We know that. But have you done it? Because that's a different kind of knowing. I can tell you. Years ago, we did that. Bombs in the room. They know the joy and the, and the pain of, of childbearing. We can know about that. 
But they know it. You know the, the grief of losing a loved one? That's experience knowing. And that's what we're talking about here. And that's what we build up with this, these struggles, is we build up these experiences. Yeah, you can say, I knew that God was going to, you know, have my back, that God was going to work all this out. But once you go through it, that's a whole different level of knowing. That's experiential. And now it's not just that God has experienced Abraham. Abraham has experienced this too. And that's what we do. We build up these experiences. And at the end of this, at the end of the struggle of sticking with God, there is great blessing. For one, for Abraham, there's great relief, right? He's fixing to lose his son. He's had faith that God can raise him from the dead. He's even told the young, young men in his, in his clinging on to God's promise, he's told them that they will both come back. He's hanging on to that. That's all he's got to hang on to. And so he, he gets his son back. Hebrews 11 even calls it like it's, it's, it's kind of like a figurative resurrection. He goes up there to kill his son and now he's got him. Like he's, like he's back from the dead. That is a great relief for Abraham. But that's not where the, the blessing stops. That's just getting started. God says, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing will I bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed. My voice. If you're struggling today, what I want to encourage you is to hang on to God's word. And know that it doesn't last forever. It just lasts for a while. And on the other side of that is relief and joy and great blessing. Great blessing. Who do you rely on for your needs? Jesus said of the hypocrites that, that give and pray and fast to be seen by others to receive praise from men. He says... Well, they've received their reward. They sought to reward themselves. And their own reward, they'll get. That's what they wanted. 
That's what they worked for, to give themselves. And so that's what they get. Don't be satisfied with what you can provide yourself. Don't be satisfied with that. That's trinkets. That's just trinket stuff. Give discreetly. Pray at home, alone, fast, keeping it to yourself. And Jesus says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Your father will reward you. And that's, that's what we want, right? We want the father's rewards. We don't want to work for my own rewards. I want to, I want to obey the Lord so that he will reward me. Because that's way better, right? We want God's blessing, not our own. That's cheap. Don't work for that. Work for the Lord's blessing. Matthew 26. And Jesus took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and began to be grieved and distressed. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved. To the point of death. This is Jesus talking. Jesus, the one that can do anything. Right? He can literally take a storm that's raging and sinking a boat in the middle of a big lake and just stop it. And his soul, he says, is grieved to the point of death. He says, remain here and keep watch with me. This isn't a, to be clear, this isn't a struggle like you and I might have a struggle with sin, right? We're battling with something that's, that, you know, we're, we're working to try to overcome. But, it, you know, this is, this is a struggle of something that's just hard, like something really, really heavy, you ever try to lift something really heavy, like it was maybe like too heavy for you to lift? And you're like, whoa, this is not good. You know, my parents had this Sony Trinitron TV once. Boy, my goodness, that thing was a boat anchor. I mean, you could have put that on one of the USS carriers. <laughs> and my brother and I, we tried to wrangle that thing into this big, um, uh, really nice furniture cabinet. This is, of course, years ago when we had those kind of things, right? And so we're, we're trying to, my, and it was so front heavy because all this super thick glass, so awkward. And the, the bottom of the TV is, of course, like this reinforced, like, it's like plastic, right? But it's like plastic um, vertical things that are sort of reinforcing each other. And so, of course, these like walls are like cutting into my fingers and stuff, you know, and like, oh, we're trying to set it on here without scarring up the, the you know, the, the TV cabinet because then mom would be upset and, oh, boy, that was a struggle. That's the kind of struggle I'm talking about. It's hard. Jesus is doing something hard. He's bearing the weight of the sins of the world. And he went a little 
further beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And if I was praying this, I would stop right there, <laughs> right? And I would at least just sort of dwell on that for a good while. Let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. Because that's how I feel, right? That's how Jesus feels. Yep, Jesus was a man. He was 100% God. But he was 100% man too. And he's struggling. He's struggling with that. Bearing this load. But he overcomes. Yet, he says, not as I will. But as you will. I believe Jesus' prayer in the garden... The Garden of Gethsemane is a critical preparation for the suffering to follow. Before he goes to suffer you know, such an excruciating, drawn-out death, he first prepares his heart to submit to the Father's will. And that's the battle, right? That's the battle, preparing our heart to submit to the Father's will. And he does that here the Garden of Gethsemane, in prayer. He takes on that fight here. And this is how he does it. He rises to the, to, the, to the occasion of the fight by dropping down to the, to the ground in prayer. Then an angel appeared to him, Luke 22, from heaven strengthening him angel appeared strengthening him and oh boy, we all we all need strengthening from god but in this case here i don't think this was the kind of strengthening so it's like oh okay i feel a lot better now you know god sent an angel i've been strengthened now i feel much better i don't think that because of verse 44 Right? Verse 43, then an angel appeared to heaven from strengthening him. Verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I think the angel came and strengthened him so that he could bear more. More weight. More agony. And I think it shows. And his body is trying to wrench itself away from Jesus' will to submit to the Father. You know, and we, I know we know this, Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane, it's, it's on the, the Mount of Olives, right? There's a, it's a bunch of olive trees up there. And Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane means the olive press. This is where they took all the olives and pressed them out. And there are, traditionally, there's three pressings. There's the first press, 
and then a second and a third, and there's different grades of oil pulled out of the olives with each one of those. But there's three. There's three because after the, you know, that first one, um, which is generally for, for uh, religious and sacrificial kinds of, of, of purposes, then you get, then you get a, 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 a not quite as pure grade. And then that last part, that last pressing is not as good, but you're squeezing the olives for everything they got at that point. You don't want to waste anything. You're not leaving any oil in the olives. You want it all. So you keep pressing it. You add more weight. You squeeze it down. And so Jesus prays three times in that garden. Pressed down three times. And he gives it all. He struggles. He struggles through it and endures. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had had him scourged to be crucified. And, and I wonder how Jesus, being freshly scourged, endured lying on his back, raw and plowed open on that rough cut wooden beam, while they nailed him to it. But he did endure. And then they lifted him up. And all his weight, hanging on those few small points. For hours. But he endured. See, he had a promise. He had a promise from God. This was God's will, and he knew what was coming. And so for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross of the now. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished! And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It was finished. The struggle, the suffering, it's over. It's finished. Bearing the sin of the world, making atonement with his blood once and for all, by his stripes we are healed. It's done. It's all done. He did it. He did it. He did it. You see, there's an end to the suffering. No matter, I mean, as great as it was, he could endure it because of God's promises. And there was an end. did it. But you know, no one gets that yet, right? There. 
I mean, there, there's three days of silence, right? In the, in, in the day and night, in the tomb. In the meantime, <coughs> in the meantime, several women in their mourning and grieving will plan to bring spices uh, for his body, which of course couldn't happen anyways because the, the tomb was closed and sealed and there's a Roman guard. Okay, that was never going to happen, right? Um, the disciples, they've locked themselves away in hiding, right? Uh, and a couple men will be leaving, for Jerusal uh, leaving Jerusalem in great disappointment and sadness on the road to Emmaus, Right? And all of those people. As grieved, as heartbroken and disappointed as they all are. They're fixing to have their worlds rocked, right? Because he is risen. They just, they don't know it quite yet. But it was finished. Mary Magdalene, one of my favorites, really, uh, as far as the post-resurrection um, scenes, because she's so grief-stricken, right? I mean, the angels are there talking to her, and she is like, ah, oh, she's just crying, right? And then Jesus, and then she turns around, and she sees Jesus there, but she she doesn't recognize him. She mistakes him for the gardener, and he's talking to her, right? But she's she's just grief-stricken. So Jesus has to like cut through it all, right? She's just sobbing right there. And he says, Mary. It snaps her out of it, right? What? And she turns around and it's Jesus. He's alive. He's risen. And she's beside herself. She's like clinging to him and he's like... Don't cling to me. I have not risen to the, to the Father yet. And he's, he he gives, gives her a mission. Go quickly and, and tell, tell the others. And she does, right? The road to Emmaus. Those guys. I love those guys, right? We, we love these guys. They're sad. Uh, Jesus is uh, unrecognizable to them for the time being, intentionally. And he expounds to them the scriptures on the way to Emmaus, right? All this way there. They're, they think, what, how can you be in Jerusalem? And, you know, you don't know about this stuff. This is, this is, you know, all this stuff that's been happening. This was terrible. And now there's these reports that somebody's taken the body away. We don't know what to believe. And he finally, after going through all of that and expounding on the scriptures and explaining all this stuff, he reveals himself to them in the blessing and breaking of bread. And they're stunned. And then immediately he, he disappears. Wow.
And they said to one another, it says, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Right? Jesus opening the scriptures. And their hearts burn within them with this truth. And so they, they rose up that very hour, right? It's getting late, they said. That, remember, it's getting late, Jesus. Why don't you stay here? Well, they didn't know it was Jesus at the time. But hey, sir, it's late. Why don't you stay with us? So they said, okay. You know. So now they've you know, got some food out and stuff. And now, late or not, they said, we got to go back. To Jerusalem. Yeah, it's seven miles, guys. You're on foot. Yeah, we're going back now. And they do. That's what I love about these guys. Why? Because he's risen. And they go back and they tell him. Right? They find the disciples in their little hidey hole. And they say, hey, the Lord is risen. And they don't do these you know, they guys in, in the disciples, they don't, they don't know what to make of this, you know. Well, while they're telling them about him, Jesus shows up in the room. Doors were closed, right? Yeah. He's doing his thing. He shows up in the room. And he talks to them, peace be with you. But while they still did not believe for joy, right? It's, it's just almost too good to be true. That's, that's how good this is. It's, he's standing right in front of them. They're still, still grappling with it. So he, he, he eats some food in front of them to prove it to him. And what do they do? Well, Thomas isn't there, so they tell Thomas, The Lord is risen. We've seen him. He's counted. Thomas is like, nah. Guys, I'm believing this. He says, until I see him and I can put my fingers in the holes in his hands and my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe this. Well, eight days later, Jesus shows up to give him just that chance. Blows Thomas' mind, right? Blows it wide open, which is what needed to happen. Because it's like finally Thomas gets it. He says, my Lord and my God. And it's like, yeah. That idea was too big to fit in Thomas's head before. It was before it was blown open. And now it's there. Because he is risen. His resurrection changed everything. The very instant they recognized him, the world was a different place. The rules have been changed. Jesus says, in the world, you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. You've heard me say this from up here, I don't know how many times. You'll struggle. You'll have burdens. Jesus says, but, but, take heart. I have overcome the world. We can take heart because he is risen. Because he went through it and finished it 
and God raised him from the dead. Now we can go through it. You can go through it. Whatever you're going through, you can make it through. You may find yourself in your closet, on the floor, shaken. But you can make it through it. Don't do it alone. We're all a family. God created this family for that reason. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance. Let us endure the struggles that are set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and it's now finished. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, consider him, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Because he is risen. Romans chapter 6. Paul writes, Do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him. We were buried with Jesus through baptism into death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly also we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. If that sounds good to you and you have not put Christ on in baptism yet, if you have not been baptized into that death so that you can look forward to that resurrection, there's no time like the present. I was asking my son Brandon, I was like, well, you know, do you want to you do, do that here when he got baptized? Do you want to you go to the church building? I mean... We can go, you know, wherever you want to go. Brandon said, just, just as soon as possible. <laughs> I love that answer. It's not typical Brandon. As soon as possible. Now is the time. Now is the time. Or if you just need the prayers. If you're struggling and you're like, hey, I... I don't want to do this alone. Don't. Don't do this alone. That's what we're here for. Talk to us. Talk to somebody. Confide in one another, church. Bear one another's burdens. 
Romans 15, 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. That you strive, that you struggle. Join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Paul asks that. When we pray for each other, we join with that person's life in their work, in their struggles. They're not alone. If that sounds good to you, come up here and get some of these prayers. Let us join with you in your struggles, in your striving. Don't quit. There's so much blessing on the other side. And there is an end. So come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.